When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Back to your text in a moment on 0457 736 736. Well, we catch up with the voice of football in this country every Tuesday on the program, host of The Global Game, back in the chair tonight alongside Alex Brosk. I speak of Simon Hill. He's on the line right now. Morning, Simon. Hey, Julian. How are you? Going very well. You know, we're talking about, uh, on the program this morning, the hottest ticket in town. Matilda's game against Uzbekistan announced for February next year, Marvel Stadium, already 25,000 tickets sold. Now, I made the point, you know, the politicians, they, they showed up during the World Cup, some with their scarves on, and you and a number of others have said, well, keep the receipts. It's all well and good to wave the flag and say you love the sport in yeah. this country, but we need to see material support. But it's nice to know that even once the lights have dimmed from the World Cup, that the appetite for the Matildas has not. Yeah, look, it's great. And, uh, you know, long may it continue um, without wishing to put a down on it. I mean, you you made reference to the fact that the politicians were there with their scarves on in the stands, and that's right. And uh, it, it's brilliant that so many fans want to go and watch the Matildas. Uh, we've got some great stars in the women's game at the moment, but what we really need to see as a sport is more investment in facilities. Now, I'm going to bring up an example at the weekend where there was an A-League women's match played in Brisbane at Perry Park, which uh, myself and many other people have been banging on about for years. Uh, to get redeveloped, uh, they actually had to close off a disabled access facility because it was in such a state of disrepair. Wow. That's what our football grounds are like, and I'm talking our code of football, all around the country. Uh, and it's all very well turning up with your scarf to World Cups. Uh, and, you know, these big internationals are great. Um, but at some point, you know, there'll be a dip. Uh, we saw this with the Socceroos 20 years ago. They got 95,000 uh, to watch a friendly against Greece at the MCG ahead of their first World Cup in 32 years. You know, th- these things ebb and flow, but the longer-term gains for the game have to be in facilities, and I'm afraid we're just not seeing that at the moment. Yeah, yeah it, it's funny how people can tear themselves apart with regards to the, the best approach in terms of growing unifying the game in this country. Got a texter here, uh, no doubt. Simon Hill is one of the best broadcasters in the game. Is he concerned about the TV ratings and crowd attendances for A-League games? So can you please put this to them? So there you go, a text question for you on the program this morning, Simon. Well, uh, thanks to your listener, and obviously you'll understand if I'm not able to talk about TV ratings because I actually work for the TV broadcaster. So I, I'll leave that for, uh, for the suits or the authorities. <laughs> uh, in, terms, in terms of crowds, 
Uh, I, they could be better. Uh, they are slightly up, actually, this season, um, despite all the doom and gloom talk. Not by much in the men's competition. They're up significantly in the women's, mm. uh, albeit starting from a, you know, a lower base. But there's no doubt that we've got <clears throat> excuse me, a lot more work to do at club level uh, to translate the interest at international level for the Socceroos, and particularly the Matildas at the moment, as you've mentioned, uh, into regular attendees at A-League matches. And look, you know, that's on the clubs. The lack of publicity doesn't help. Um, you know, we changed broadcasters a couple of years ago uh, because the previous broadcaster lost interest in it. They own, unfortunately, 70% of the mainstream media in this country. And because they are no longer invested in football, they tend not to give it too much coverage. Uh, that might increase over the next six months because uh, the Matildas contracts, along with the Socceroos, National Second Division Australia Cup, is up for grabs. So, you know... The media is a business uh, as well as sport. And, uh, you know, we, we've suffered a bit because of that. But there's no doubt there is a, a lot of work that needs to be done to improve crowds. They're not the only barometer of success, but they're a very visual uh, indicator of how well a competition is going. And at the moment, we're not doing well enough. Simple I, as that. I wonder, too, whether summer scheduling plays a role here, Simon. I think, was it last season, the Wanderers had a game at 3 o'clock might have been on a Saturday. Comeback Stadium, state-of-the-art yeah. venue, but it's 35 degrees in the baking sun. And as much as I love seeing yeah. live sport, that doesn't attract me to go to a game. Well, you know, football went to uh, being a summer sport many years ago because uh, the, the feeling was is that we needed the clear air, yep. in inverted commas, uh, of not being in the same season as the AFL and, and NRL. But, you know, times have changed. And uh, now sports, all sports really are, are 12 months a year. There are so many different events and uh, competitions that really that clear air has dissipated. Um, whether we need to look at the calendar, I know James Johnson, a year or two back, the FA CEO was, was keen to switch back to winter. Uh, it is a winter sport. If we can't do that, and I understand the reasons why we play in summer, uh, then I do think there needs to be a moratorium on, on early kickoffs because it doesn't help the product. The players can't play in that sort of uh, temperature. And it's not great for the fans either because, you know, we, we tend not to build stadiums for some reason in Australia with roofs on. Uh, I don't quite <laughs> yes. know why that's the case. But yeah. uh, so they either get wet through or they get third degree mm. burns, which um, is not great. Speaking of crowds, uh, not a bad one, actually. Relatively speaking, MacArthur Wellington on a Monday night, 4,893, the second highest crowd for a, a non-Sydney team. But Phoenix, impressive, yeah. inflicted on MacArthur their first loss of the season, 3-0. Yeah, look, you know, the balls are starting to grow a little bit in terms of crowd, which is great to see. Uh, credit to the bullpen, their active supporters who are trying to create a noise and get people to go along and get in, invested in this team. Uh, on the pitch, unfortunately, that uh, larger crowd wasn't rewarded with a good performance. And in fairness to the Bulls, they looked flat. They looked tired because they'd played in Asia only uh, four days earlier, uh, long trip back from the Philippines. And Wellington were terrific. Um, three excellent goals, two for Costa Barbarousas, one for Bozidar Krayev. And they're top of the league at the moment. And, you know, it just goes to show that they've got an unheralded coach in Giancarlo Italiano. He made only two off-season signings. Um, and yet he's top of the league with a good blend of experience and very good youth academy players that are coming through the system. And they did it all without their top scorer, Oscar Zavada, as well. So they're going all right at the moment, the Knicks. 
Yes, they are. And uh, I think the eggnog is going to be tasting slightly sweeter at the Aloisi Christmas party after Johnny got one over <laughs> over Ross. And, and he needed that too. Uh, they came from behind to West United, two over Brisbane Raw 1. I wanted to get your thoughts, uh, Simon. So you would have heard Gary Neville's comments. Gary Neville, you know, I like him as a pundit there on Sky, but it, at times it perhaps been critical of Ange Postacoglu's rather cavalier approach when it comes to playing attacking football. And he cited that Chelsea game down to, to nine men. But now he said, well... You know, if Pep moves on from your beloved Man City, would somebody like Ange be a worthy replacement? And he sort of jokingly said, oh, I just copy Pep, mate. It's rather fascinating. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but uh, I had to get your thoughts on the matter. Well, look, first of all, you know, Gary Neville has not been the first person to criticise Ange. I mean, True. we did a fair bit of it when he was in this country. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. Yes. Um, you know, that, that's sort of part of the gig, unfortunately, but... Um, uh, he's certainly building a name for himself in the Premier League. And uh, with regards to City, well, you know, why not? I mean, he plays the sort of football that Pep Guardiola loves. It would be a continuation of that. And, of course, he's got links with the City Football Group because he coached at Yokohama F. Marinos in Japan, who are partly owned by the City Football Group. Uh, so they know him pretty well. Uh, Pep has said that he respects and likes him. Uh, whether Guardiola will have any say in who succeeds him or not, I don't know. And I'm hoping he's going to be there for a few more years yet because yeah. he's the best manager in the world. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a possibility. The only thing for Ange is, you know, he grew up as a, a boyhood Liverpool fan and I, I reckon that would be his dream job once Jurgen Klopp moves wow. on. Uh, and that might be a few years away as well. But, uh, you know, he used to have posters of the Liverpool players on his wall in Melbourne when he was a kid. So... Mm. I think that would be his dream job, but uh, yeah, City would be uh, very interesting if he went there, that's for sure. Yeah, they're too successful though, aren't they, Simon? Doesn't Ange prefer clubs that can be <laughs> rebuilt? I'm not sure you can rebuild well, Man City, can you? Well, look, I mean, they, they will need a rebuild once Pep goes because, you know, you, you look at the example of Alex Ferguson when he left Manchester United and everybody said, oh, you know, it's a dynasty, it'll just continue with David mm. Moyes. And they've been 10 years in the doldrums now. So a change of manager can change a lot of things. And I think sometimes people are under, underestimate just how good Pep Guardiola is. So, uh, yeah, you never know. You never know, yes. And as for my beloved Man United, that vital point at Anfield, even though they were played off the park, and uh, nice to see Anana yeah. starting to <laughs> copping less criticism. He was, he was pretty good. Just, uh, just on your city, see, you, you bottled that lead, didn't you, Simon? Now four points off third place. Aston Villa, how are you feeling at the moment? Uh, look, there's no panic just yet, but uh, there's no doubt that there are a few issues at City just at the moment. Um, they've dropped, I think it's now eight points uh, against Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea and Palace, all from winning positions. And it's a bit of a habit they've got into that they're in control of games, they're matches that they should win, and then inexplicably they're, they're switching off for whatever reason the last 15, 20 minutes and conceding a lot of late goals. It's not a good habit to have, um, but it's still very early. We've come back mm. from bigger deficits than this in the past. So, you know, Kevin De Bruyne is almost fit again. Haaland will be back soon. Uh, we've got the January transfer window to come. Just wait. Just, <laughs> just wait. Ominous warning there from you, Simon. Just lastly, uh, yesterday <laughs> FIFA announced the first edition of this new FIFA Club World Cup. It's a 32-team Club tournament takes place every four years, held in the USA, June 15 to July 13, 2025. Your thoughts? Uh, well, look, the Europeans won't like it because obviously it's more games 
for the top players. Mm. Um, and in terms of who qualifies for it, I think I said on Twitter yesterday, you, you need a degree in mathematics to be able to work out the permutations. Mm. But, you know, overall, this is a good, a good development for our region, for Asia, for Oceania, for Africa, uh, for, for, the, for the confederations that don't get a lot of, uh, you know, that big money because there's going to be big prize money at stake. And, you know, this, for example, if an Australian team, and this is a big if at the moment, but if they were to win the Asian Champions League and qualify for the FIFA Club World Cup, you know, you look at them going up against the Real Madrid or a Man City or Man United, whoever it is, Barcelona, uh, in the FIFA Club World Cup and earning potentially, you know, between 15 and $20 million. That's a game changer for clubs in this neck of the woods. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's good for our region. The Europeans will hate it. Well, tough. Well, tough. Great to get your thoughts as always. Simon, we'll catch you tonight on the Global Game with Alex. Thanks, Gillian. All the best. Oh, there he is. Simon Hill, 0457 736 736. Breaking back with more summer mornings.